0: Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31, 1 Corinthians 10 31 and as I said in my prayer time here and as I may have mentioned to you guys before now, this entire month and maybe weeks after that is totally completely devoted to uh, teaching on worship. Worship. And so for this morning I'm going to entitle this message Grace Powered Worship. Grace Powered Worship. This entire month. And maybe a few weeks thereafter, uh, we will be examining the subject of worship. And then after that, we're going to go into evangelism and world missions. Evangelism and world missions. Uh, We are throwing out these major themes because we really need for the church to be grounded, to be established, so we can understand uh, what God's purpose towards us is. So for this entire month, again, we are going to be dealing with worship. And for this morning's first installment... I'm going to be speaking on grace-powered worship. Now, I truly believe that what we are embarking upon now in this teaching on grace, on worship, is going to impact this entire congregation the same way the grace message did. And for me and those that have been with me much longer than now, the way the mission's message impacted us. I want to say that again this series of teaching is going to have a very very significant impact on all of us to the degree to the same degree as how that grace teaching totally completely revolutionized us why is that because like grace many of us think we know what worship is Like grace, when you mentioned what grace, everybody, ah, yeah, the grace of God. I mean, the grace of God. The grace of God, we all use that word very loosely. And we think we knew, or rather we know, what it means when we said it. I'm a good example of that. Up to three years ago, grace was just grace. Okay? But in studying and digging and God's grace and revelation coming down, I begin to realize that what we said grace was was just a surface. Shallow understanding of what grace was until now. So in the same manner I'm saying to us that worship is not what most of us think it is. We throw the word around, we talk about worship, but I'm saying to us, as we engage in these meetings over these next several weeks, that we have to put on a new mindset where worship is concerned. And I really believe God really, really do want to talk to us because this is what happened. As of Saturday morning, because we have been doing the great Conversation all month of July, so I had plenty of time to study, to prepare, and to really get ready for this. So as of Saturday morning... My note was all done. Good to go. And the first installment, if you look at my notes, is there already, was entitled Becoming a True Worshipper. And a Saturday afternoon, God got hold of me and said, keep that message for the next week. But start first with the grace based or grace powered worship as a first installment. So that tells me that God has something in mind. He just doesn't come and change things around unless he truly intends to accomplish something. So I'm encouraging you, don't miss a session. And for those of you on the online community, don't miss a session. This is going to be life-changing. God wants to speak to us, and I want us to pay attention and to hear what he has to say, Amen? Amen. So, grace-powered worship. Now, years ago, when the billionaire Howard Hughes died, his company's public relations director asked the casinos in Las Vegas, where Hughes owned multiple casinos, to show respect to him by giving him a minute silence. for an uncomfortable 60 seconds. The casinos that he was owned in Las Vegas became eerily silent. Then a pit boss looked at his watch, at his watch, and leaned forward and whispered, "Okay, roll the dice. It's had his minute." Now, many of you didn't catch that. Because this guy owned multiple casinos in Las Vegas. As a matter of PR, they said, you know what? He owns all these casinos. You guys observe a minute silence out of respect for him, for his passing. And even as they were doing that, the boss was counting down. And when 60 seconds elapsed, he said, roll the dice. What's the point I'm making? I wonder if sometimes we treat God as those gamblers in Las Vegas treated Howard Hughes. We interrupt our busy schedules once a week, rush into church, give God his one hour, and then forget about him and get back to what we would rather be doing yes. all right. and for many of us that's the understanding that we have of what worship is all about now that word worship comes from the root word worship. worth w-o-r-t-h-y worship. So the idea of worship has to do with someone or something that has value, that is worthy of being honored, praised, adored, exalted, obeyed, and surrendered or submittal. Worship. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it's on the notes on the board already. Paul says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Also, give me Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Also, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amazing that in this New Testament verses that talks to us about worship there is no reference whatsoever to Sunday morning. Look at it. And whatever you do in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. No mention whatsoever about rushing to church on Sunday morning to worship. No mention whatsoever about our songs. Now, those things are essential. They are welcome. They are good. They have their place. In fact, they are forms of expression of worship. But in and of themselves, they are not worship. Whoa. What then is worship? How do we define worship? Worship means to live for the glory of God. To image him in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. I think I need to say that again. It means to live for the glory of God. To image him in our thoughts. Our words and our actions. Simply put, simply put. If you want to make it simple, simple, simple. Worship simply describes life. Simply describes life, and we're going to get more into. I, I mean, I need to. I need to give this by instalment, so we don't get ahead of ourselves. Amen. Worship gives us the idea of how we're thinking when we're thinking. What are the thoughts that we're thinking about? What are the words we speak? What are the actions we take? All of this together glorify God, honors God, gives God glory. And so, worship is not just a portion of a service on Sunday morning. It's an entire lifestyle. Now, to make this easier for us to understand, go with me to Exodus chapter 30, verses 30 through 38. I want to give us two uh, figures in the scripture that can help us to catch a, an understanding of what worship is all about. Exodus chapter 30, verse 30 through 38. And this describes to us the making of sweet incense in the tabernacle of Moses. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying "This shall be holy anointing oil, to me through your generations. Wait a minute. Is that the right one? Okay, let me keep on reading. And it shall not be put on any man's flesh, nor shall you make any like it according to its composition. It is holy, and shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. Wait a minute, let me go let me go to Exodus thirty eight. Is that the four? Okay. Okay, 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 okay. There you go. Thank you. Too many scriptures. Verse 34, and he Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacte, onitra, garbanum, and pure frankincense. With these spices, there shall be equal amounts of each. And you shall make of this an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine, and put some of it before the testimony. In the tabernacle of meeting, where I will meet with you, it shall be most holy to you. Next verse. But as for the incense which you shall make, underline this next sentence. You shall not make any for yourselves. Let me repeat that again. You shall not make any for yourself. According to its composition it shall be to you holy for the Lord. Next verse. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. Whew! Here is God giving Israel instruction about how to make make incense for the tabernacle. Incense speaks to us, Revelation chapter 5 verse 8, Psalms 141 verse 3, speaks to us of worship or prayer. So God is now give them instruction how to make it. Please notice, they didn't just go out and make incense like everybody around the other nations had incense. God was very specific on what the incense is composition or recipe was to be. He did not leave it up to Moses' mind or imagination to get a new model. No. It's going to be those four things. Second of all, it tells them, don't you dare make any for yourself. In fact, when you make this thing, don't burn it just to try to enjoy the aroma of it for yourself. Because this incense which represents prayer and worship does not belong to man. Man gives it but it does not belong to man. Therefore we must understand that the privilege of worship The significance of worship, the power of worship, is not for me. It's not for us. It is something that we received as a, oh my God, let me me say that again. Because of God's grace upon us, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Because of what God has done for us. What has he done? He delivered these guys from the bondage of Egypt. He delivered them. And he told them where to go and find the plans to make this. It was all about him. So because of what he has done for them, their response for the touch of grace, for the touch of love over their life, their response was God, because you've been so good to us, we offer back to you. Yes. We can only give to you because you first gave to us. Right. And we're going to get more into that in the future. In other words, hear this. You cannot worship if God has not first done something in you. Tosinga, welcome back. My God is good to see you. Don't stay gone that long, long next time. Amen. Praise God. But whats what I'm saying to you. Because God's done something. Then we have, we have something to give back to him. But that's not all. Where worship is concerned. God says it's not for you. Don't take my honor. Don't take my glory. Don't take my credit. Don't take my praise. And that's why, that's why the people that minister on the platform for so long, you see all kinds of things happening because they don't understand. They are touching that which only belongs to God. Thank God nobody in this house does that. But I'm just saying, it's a common thing. We get acclaims, we get applaud, we get commendations. Oh wow, that was great. Oh, I mean, even preachers, even lay members. Things happen to you and people commend you. They applaud you. They praise you. My goodness. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift they come from above. From the Father of light in whom there is no variableness. So when men are beginning to praise you and bless you and talk about how wonderful you are and how great things you have done and all of this, you need to hear it, but you need to know exactly where to put it. You need to understand that this is something I cannot touch. Why? Because if God was not with me, if it had not been for God that's on my side, if it's not been for God's work in me, if it's not been for what God has done, I can't be that. I can't do that. Yes. So, the idea of the incense gives you an eye because what happens is Israel will make the incense and then they will go before the golden altar of incense and burn it. What happens when they burn incense? the smoke arises. Why is it going up? Because the person who is intending to receive it is up, not down. It belongs to God. So, the smoke ascends giving us an emblem or symbol of worship going up before God or praise going up before God. Amen? Amen? So they understood it did belong to them. And we should have that same understanding. So that's the Old Testament. Go with me to John chapter 12. So the first picture I showed you of worship is from Exodus, 30, Exodus chapter 30 verses 34 through 38. The sweet incense. In John, in John chapter 12 verse 1. Then six days before the Passover Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus who had been dead whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. Next verse. Verse 3. Then Mary took a very costly oil of spikenard anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Oh, First of all, going back to verse 3, we are told that this perfume was very costly. Very, very costly. And with it, she anointed the feet of Jesus. And we are told she did not wipe it with a cloth. She used her hair. First Corinthians 11 tells us that the woman's hair is her glory. So she used that which was glorious in her to minister him who is glorious indeed. I'm well told that it is very costly. So this is not cheap. So worship is sacrificial. It's never cheap. Yes. That's why David in First Samuel he said I will not give to God that which cost me nothing. I won't do it. Because it's not really truly worship if it does not cost you something. Because the one that we are worshiping did not spare any expense in order to give me and you the opportunity to be to worship him. So here in this second picture, we see that it's expensive. So worship, number one, we give worship because it comes from because God has touched us. We understand that in worship we cannot worship ourselves. We cannot give worship to ourselves. We do. We need to remove ourselves from the picture. We need to give glory to God Himself because God is one who's done all the work. And then here we see that it's very costly. If I had time, I'll read more verses of this chapter 12 of John. And you see how the people say, man, this is too expensive. We can give to the poor. We can do this. And Jesus say, oh, wait a minute. Nope, nope, not this time. The poor you always have with you. The poor you're going to always have. But what this woman is doing is critical. It's important. Let her do it. Why? Because the Father is seeking worshippers. John chapter 4. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In fact, this is the reason for which he came. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Worship was lost. And he came to bring it back. So, in Exodus chapter 30 and in John chapter 12, we see two illustrations Of what worship is all about. So really worship is what man gives to God. As a response. To what God has given to man. Did you get that? This is why this is grace powered worship. It's grace powered. Why? Because out of the grace of God. I received something from God. So my response. To what I've received. Is to honor him to bless him, to thank him to praise him, to worship him so worship then is only a response to what I've gotten from God always it's a response to what I've gotten from God and so really if the grace of God has not touched me and I'm speaking with my lips, with my mouth words of worship or adoration can God really receive it? No. Because you only receive what is first given. We are all, okay, you're going to see it. Let's go to two examples that clearly clearly talks about grace being the basis for worship. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. Thank you. Now, let me give us a context for this. And I'm going to read a few verses in this passage. Context. David wants to build God a temple. Actually, the temple will be built by his son Solomon. But David was preparing for the building. And so in his preparation, he gave over and above and beyond any mind, mind or imagination. Yes. And when the congregation and the leadership saw that, they also did so. Now let's see what David has to say about that. Now, it's interesting that David made the statement we're about to read. Why is, that, why is it so interesting? Because it's one of the Old Testament figures who worked in God's grace. Not many of them one of the few Old Testament figures who saw the grace of God, understood the grace of, the grace of God, and embraced the grace of God. So much so, God can testify about him in Acts 13. David is a man of my own heart. Who will do all of my will. Now, verse 1. Furthermore, King David said to Solomon, I'm sorry, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The work is great, because the temple is not for mine, but for the Lord God. Next verse. Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might gold for the things of gold to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron. Go on to verse 3. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the house, for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Next one. Verse five. This is just listen to all the things he gave. Okay. The gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Then he throws out the challenge. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. Next verse. Then the leaders of the fathers, of, fathers' houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered willingly. Next verse. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 directs of gold. Next verse. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel, the Gishonite. Next verse. Then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart, they had offered willingly to the Lord and King David also rejoiced greatly. Next verse. Ah. There's a change here now. Verse 10. All along, up to this point, David and the congregation were doing something based on how God moved upon their heart. So, in verse 10, now, David switches. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever. What is he doing now? Talk to me. What is he doing now? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's blessing God. So don't miss what he's saying to God. Huge. They have given. We were told they gave it willingly. Okay? So he's responding to what's happened. He's blessing God. Verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven And in earth is whose? Oh. Does that include what they just gave? Absolutely. So he said even though we gave, we just bless you, God. I want you to know God, we are aware that what we gave, it belonged to you at the beginning. Who has anything here that God has not given? No one. It gets clearer. Let me read it again, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Next verse. Look at this. Both riches and honor. Where did they come from? From you. No, 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 no. Bill Gates. No. no. Howard Hughes. No. Warren Buffett. No. Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> You know how to go there. <laughs> I was setting you guys up. <laughs> Both riches and honor come from you, who's you, God. My friends, if we understand these principles of worship and what God's grace is is giving us, money will never own you again. I'm telling you. There is nothing in your pocket, bank accounts, in your safe deposits that God did not give. Yes. But riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all, including money. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Next verse. Now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Verse 14. Look at what it says. But who I am? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? What? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you so they did not give anything that did not come from God's pocket. That's grace. In other words, God, you empowered us by first providing for us. You gave us. So now because you've given to us, now we're in a position to give to you. That's what they say. saying. Look at verse 15. And that should speak to 95% of you in this room. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you. As were all our fathers. Oh yeah, I I got that right. Many of you guys came by. Panam, Delta Airlines, Arctic Airlines, Nigeria Airways, uh, British West India Airways, all of those places. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. For we are aliens and pagans before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. All of our God all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from where? Amen. Oh, I thought it came from Citibank. No. It didn't come from PNC? Are you sure? Yes, sir. How about where Wago? So go? From his hand. And it's all your own. I think I've made the point enough. So right there in the Old Testament, David, after giving a, an incredible offering, went to bless God. And in blessing God, he acknowledges that what he gave came from God. Yes. The reason you and I are able to worship is because we received something from him yes. first and foremost. Yes. Amen. So we see this in Old Testament. Let me give you one New Testament and then we're going to wrap this. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. And you understand that the book of Romans which was written by Paul is the most complete epistle in all of the scripture that describes our salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that book can be divided into two portions. The first 11 chapters talks about doctrine. God's plan for salvation is redemption. Access to the grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption through the blood of Jesus. On and on and on and on and on. He made the case. We're all sinners, he said. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in that grace, God has giving us his righteousness and we are justified by faith he says on and on and on 11 chapters making the solid case of God's grace and loving kindness towards us chapter 12 because chapters 12 through 16 is now the practical application of what is taught in 11 chapters did you hear that the first 11 chapters deals with doctrine Explaining, showing you who you are, where you came from, how to access God's grace, the whole nine yards. Then from chapters 12 on, it tells us the practical application of 11 chapters. How did they start? Verse 1. I beseech you therefore. Immediately you see that, you know it's referring to what it said previously. I beseech you therefore. Brethren, By the what? Mercies of God. In other words, in light of the mercies of God or the grace of God that I've showed you for 11 chapters. In light of that, your reasonable response, how you should respond to what I've been teaching you for 11 chapters is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice another transition says as an act of spiritual worship so again 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 you notice this is not talking about Sunday morning if all of us get this message when we get here on Sunday morning if there's no keyboard player you will not be bothered if there's no guitar player it will ruffle your feathers if they're singing off tune, of course we don't want that to happen. But if and when that happens, it will not bother you. No. The reason we get bent out of shape on Sunday morning, when we don't have three keyboard players, one guitar player, trumpeter, saxophone, and all this, the reason that happens is because we did not come here with worship. So we are looking to hire somebody a hireling that will take the place of what God has told you to do. So we put it all on the place and worship team. We've hired you guys to entertain our soul. To just get us emotional high. And so we can say, hey, hallelujah, God is good. No. No. Paul says, because of the grace of God, how He saved you when you were unsavable. How you could not help yourself, he helped you anyway. How he acquitted you and I, even though we were guilty. How he did not spare the expense of sending his son to the cross just to redeem us. Because God has done all of this for us. Now he's saying, would you please live for me? Would you glorify me? Would you at least give me credit for what I've done in your life? Can you just have a new attitude towards me? Can your thought life just? Can you just think about me? How I delivered you? Because if we are doing that from Sunday through the next Sunday, when we come together, it will be an explosion. That's what should be happening on Sunday morning. We should not be coming and ask Selwyn. Selwyn, come on now, get it down. Get it down. Sing my song. Selwyn, you better sing my song today. Sing my song. My special to you. Sing it, Selwyn. It should have to be so. Because each one of us brought our own worship. Each one of us brought our own perfume. Each one of us has has thought about God all week long. We've lived for God all week long. So when we now come together we become combustible material. Any little thing we just explode. The fire just breaks forth and signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural become a natural occurrence. That's what should be happening. That's what Paul said. I've been sitting there for brethren. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy! Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then from verse 2 on, it begins to tell us how to do it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let me just close by showing us in this portion of this message what Paul's expectation is that when we have been touched by God's grace, how or what that should look like in the life of a believer. Ah! In the time that I have left. This is what Paul is saying. How can we best thank God for his amazing grace? How? How can we best praise God for sending his son to die as our substitute. How can we best express our abounding joy for all he has freely given in Christ? Living our lives for him is the only reasonable and acceptable response. Now mind you, this should not be done as a matter of duty. Nope. It should not be done in an anticipation of a physical or eternal reward. No. But it is done simply because of the immensity and intensity of God's love for us. Now, the total dedication of our lives to him is an act of spiritual worship that is appropriate for all those who have received the grace of God. And this is what it should look like. Number one, I'm going to run very quickly through eight things of what should happen when we fully understand this grace and we're allowing the grace to power our worship. Number one, in Romans 12 verse 2, Romans 12 verse 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first thing that should happen to us is the way we view priorities, paradigms, and patterns of the world. In other words, because I've been touched by God's grace, I'm not going to live and allow the culture of the place that I'm living in to overtake the culture of the kingdom. I'm not going to be conformed. To this world. No. I'm not going to allow. My, the world system. To dictate to me. How to live. Remember. We are in this world. But not of this world. When you do that. You are worshipping. You are worshipping. When you refuse to act the culture of the world in which you live to control your life and to dictate what you do, you are worshiping. Number two, Romans twelve, three to five, three to five. All of this are in the book of Romans. For I say that through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each man, to each one image of faith. Next verse. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we be many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one body. So what is he saying there? Once I receive the grace of God, I begin to view myself, the way I see myself relative to other people, changes changes. In other words, I'm not looking at Greg and saying, oh Greg, he's not a preacher. He cannot get up here and preach. No. I'm not going to look at him like that. I'm going to say, God has gifted Greg. And Greg, Jesus is gift to glorify God, to honor God. I have a gift. He has a gift. We are one in the body of Christ. So I'm not going to look at him in a, in a demeaning, depreciating way. We're not going to look at ourselves. We will begin to appreciate one another. Put it like that. Yes. Yes appreciation for one another. Why? Yes. Because we were all made new in God's image and likeness. We are all children of the most high God. Yes. Sense. God's grace will change the way you see yourself and you see your brother and your sister. Yes. And when you do that, you are worshipping God. Did you know that? Because now all of a sudden you look at Adah, say, man, Adah, you are "Man, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I really thank God for you. God says, I'm happy with that. Yes. You acknowledge my creation in Adah. Yes. You look at David, you look at Cassie, you say, oh man, David, I really thank God for your life. What a blessing to see you, to have you. God says, there you go. You are my heart. You know what I'm saying. Yes. That is worship. Yes. Worship is not just jumping up and down. Now, that's a part of it. No, 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 seriously. It's an expression of it. But that's why I said to you at the beginning that you will this will change the way you see worship. It will change us the way grace changed us. Because all of a sudden, you see your brother that does not look like you, does not feel like you, and you have a greater appreciation for them than before. Why? Because you recognize this person is a person for which Jesus came and died for. Amen. Yes. Amen. How big is that? Yes. That God did not say, you know what, I'll die for this 99, but this one I won't die for him. How big is that? Huge. In other words, we begin to appreciate what God appreciates. That is worship. Abraham took Isaac in Genesis 22 to go offer him up to God and he said, me and the Lord are going to worship and we'll be back. Where was the music? Where was the guitar player? everyone was not there. But they were going to go worship. So you see that worship covers a broad scope of human living yes. of which music is just an expression. When musicians don't worship as a lifestyle and they are playing music and singing, they are just making Noise! Noise! They don't honor God. They don't follow God. They don't serve humanity. They don't appreciate God's creation. But you have a gift. And you're jumping up? You're making a noise. And many of our churches, we've been making noises for a long time. But I pray that God will begin to really change us. From the inside out. So we can give him true worship in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Number three. Romans chapter 12. Verses 6 through 8. Romans 12, 6 and 8. Having then gives different according to the grace. You see that? You know what I found out? 20 times in the book of Romans. The word grace is mentioned. 20 times. 15 times. By chapter 12. Just to show you that it takes grace to power worship. Yes, sir. Worship has to be a response to something God has done that you acknowledge. Yes. Wow. Go read the Old Testament. You see all those patriarchs. God was put to Jacob and immediately because God spoke to him, he responds in worship. Yes, yes. Immediately, God was put to Abraham and because God has spoken, he got a revelation from God, immediately he flows into worship. So the cycle or the process of worship is always first initiated by God. Wow. God did something, so now that empowers you to be able to do something. Wow. But you are not doing something as an obligation or as a duty or because you want to get something. No, you are doing it in response to what he has already done. Amen. Amen. Having then gifts different according to the gifts that's given to us, let us use them. And he goes through them. He lets you know that grace gives you, give you a gift. Many gifted people in this house. Many, many gifted. How do you get the gift? Did you bring the gift from heaven? God gave it to you. So he says because God has given you something, use it. use it. Use it. Use it. So when you see someone functioning in any area, any place at all, maybe even in the world, maybe they're a good accountant, somebody as crazy as that, a great businessman whatever area of life or living you find them functioning and they are using a gift you say oh man God is awesome the glory belongs to God I have never seen a one day old baby that that knows accounting no but God gives men and we should celebrate the gifts of God that's what Paul is saying celebrate them So when I see someone play the sing, I see they all play the keyboard. I see the drummer. I see the guitar. You thank God for their gifts. You thank God because God gave it. Number four. I'm trying to be done as quickly as possible. Number four, but I just want you you guys to see this. Romans chapter twelve, verses nine through thirteen. Let love be without hypocrisy our power is evil cling to what is good verse 10 be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love why did he use the word brotherly we are one family don't let listen, don't let politics in America divide us we are one family brotherly love you may not know all your brothers or all your sisters but if we belong to the kingdom of God, we are all one family. Acts 17. From one blood, God made all nations. Amen. So it says, be kindly, affectionate to one another with brother. How would you treat your brother? Your brother that lives in your household. How would you treat them? Are you mean to them? Do you disrespect them? Do you call them names? Do you depreciate them? Paul says, be kind to one another. Why? Because God has been kind to us. Yes. You can only give out what you've received. Yes. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Yes. Rejoicing in the hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Steadfast. What is he talking about? He's talking about emotional and mental attitudes. Our emotional and mental attitudes should change as a result of the grace of God that we received. And when we begin to move into these things, look at what it says, disobedient to the needs of the other of the, of the saints given to us. When we begin to do this things in Romans 12 9 to 13, we're worshiping. We're worshiping. Verses thirteen through twenty-one. Number five. Okay, give me verse fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Aha! This is where we're going to know real worshippers. All of you have been saying yes, yes, yes up here. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know if you are a worshiper now. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Woo! Are there any worshipers in the house? <laughs> rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one, what? Evil for evil. Oh my goodness. You mean you will not tell your enemy to fall down and die? let me me take a time out here I really want to appreciate Sam Bono for last Sunday he's not here today I want to really really appreciate him for the question that he gave out first question in Greece conversation last Sunday Yes. challenge our mindset do you guys remember that how should we be praying for Zimbabwe or Mugabe? In light of the atrocities and the way in which he governs. Yes. Because the church for the most part we've prayed against him. Ah, you guys, you guys are quiet. We've prayed against him. we pray prayed for him to die. Can you imagine that coming out of the mouth of a child of God? pronounce death on our mind. That's been made in God's image. And when we said it. We felt something. Come Amen. Hallelujah. We are false worshippers. False. Because the truth is. If God wants him dead. He, could have, he would have died a long time ago. error, error, because we lack understanding I got home, sent him a text thanked him for challenging me listen, I'm sharing it with you because this is, this is an atmosphere of grace I thanked him I said thank you for asking that question and if we ever get on another trailer, trail, that's wrong challenge us in the world we're going to say we have received the grace of God that is based on God's unconditional love. Yes. And I'm praying for someone to die. Yes. No way. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Look at what Paul says. Repay no one evil for evil. No matter how much evil they've done. It's not your place to repay them. Yes. Why? James answers the question. The wrath of man can never walk the righteousness of God. Yes. Yes. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Now, does that mean the evil will go unchallenged? No. 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 But God does not want you to be the one to do it. Yes. Why? You are not the judge. Thank you. He is the judge. Notice the Bible now call him a judge definite Article the judge, and it's the judge that everyone has to deal with. I think one of those verses actually talks about how vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I think it's coming up. So he says, Ah, thank you. <laughs> See, these guys, they are, they are on key today. Do you guys notice that yes. they are worshiping today? They must have worshiped before the girl here. Yes. So if it's if it is possible, as much as the person on you, live peaceably with all men. Don't argue with them. Live out of God. Oh, let me tell you something that happened to me and Sabin Badaki last week. I just found out about it. Over twelve years ago. Must be longer than that, Sammy. when Renee, who lives in Greenville, who comes here. But she's not been able to come for a few weeks now because of some things that have happened. Uh, we'll see her shortly again. But anyway, we sold Bibles to some people. And they owed us money in Nigeria. I was not even aware that they owed money. Long ago, about 12 years ago, they owed warm money and they owed Sammy money. In case you guys don't know, Sami Badaki is a Bible dealer. But the Bible, it was selling. Thank God. Now, I think that Bible is going off the shelf. That Bible is the the champion of law. (laughs) I won't mention the name. Three days ago, I got a message. I won't mention the name of the person. That this person, they gave the money to pay us to a third party who never delivered the money to us. So the person embezzled the money that should have come to us. But in spite of that, she has not been able to rest for 15 years. She finally found Sammy, got the account number of the ministry, and actually paid that money 15 years later. Please, am I talking? No, they didn't hear your voice. You're <laughs> Who chased her? Nobody did. Who wrote her threatening letters? You must pay or you die. Nobody. Nobody. In fact, I am totally unaware that we were Wow. By herself. Based on God's dealing, God will not let her rest. She went and found the money and paid it. And paid Sammy as well. And you are telling me that by cursing somebody or by berating them, you're going to have vindication and you're going to win the case? She paid. I got the message. I said, Is this a joke? Because it was not small money. She paid. And I think I've told you guys here in this short this story. Just so aware of the story, actually, where it's, it's me and Sammy again. This Sammy of the Galvega, I owed a mine. For Bible says thirty six thousand dollars. You remember the story? You remember the story? We ship Bibles to Nigeria, and us. Since a while back then, Nigeria ate the Bibles. I'm <laughs> sitting down here on this end, $36,000 in the whole letter. Here, what am about to tell you? $1,000. Sure. This, how long ago was this? That's about what, 10 years now? This man is a Baptist. He never, one day, called me to ask for his money. Wow! In fact, <laughs> I will every now and then send Sammy to go and see him. <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking time, but, but I'm, I'm just trying to get the message across. Sammy said to me, "Pastor, I don't understand. You. I'm, I'm afraid because because when they get there." The wife will cook for him. Caucasian family. No, seriously, Caucasian family. The wife will cook for him. And Sammy is calling me. Do you think she may poison the food? I said, I, this man needs to die. I said no, Sammy. They are not praying let my enemy fall down and die. <laughs> no. On and on we visit him. He never once asked me, how is my money? But you know who's asking me? God. (laughs) When I lay my head to sleep, I'm seeing dollar figure, (laughs) (laughs) 36,000. So finally, I called him and said, Mr. Rollins, I've got to take care of this thing. I said, "Can I pay you a little bit every month?" He said, "No problem." And that's how we did it. Midway into the transaction, I call him again, "Sir Mr. Rollins, you have any Bibles to sell?" <laughs> <laughs> True story. Oh, I said, "My father just got some shipment in. You might be able to use this." Oh, really? Again, he gave unto me on what credit. Sam is a witness. joseph is a witness. And on that one deal, on that one deal, you see, because you see, it's not a matter of just cheating somebody and getting away with it. No, no. God dealt with me, and I call Him. I initiated something. We were able to pay off the debt. And God you do credit, you do profit word. Case resolved. If I went back there today, I'll be celebrated. Yes. But I'm saying that to you. To say people owe you five hundred dollars and you are bent out of shape. You are ta- you fasting and praying over them to die for three days. What is your problem? How much did you owe God? No, seriously. How much did you owe God? How much do we owe God? That God got totally, completely cancelled. You are not even asking him. He just on his own. Read it. Romans chapter 3 verse 22. This righteousness we have came from God, which means God totally completely, on his own volition without you doing anything. thought it up and executed it by himself. Pastor Della was here last week blew our minds. He said the man owes him half a million dollars. Some some of us, your throat almost broke. (laughs) He said, the guy didn't pay? Exactly, that's what he said. That he recognized the money didn't belong to him to begin with. It's God. You see, that's why some people attract blessings. And others repel them. Because we've not understood how grace works. Thank you, Father. It's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit, said the Lord. And not only that, how we should respond to one another. Thank you, Father. I'm glad Joseph is here today, and so is Sammy. The stories we just told. So don't allow pressure, or the fact that people reject you, or the fact that something negative is coming at you, to cause you to get out of the way. Because the way you respond to even the pressure is worship. Thank you. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. You remember the story of Paul and Silas? They were not in Las Vegas when they were singing, they were not in Bethel. Where's Bethel? Where are they based? In the West Coast. Okay. You sing that song every Sunday. So you don't know where the people are? Bethel. we we pray for seven praise God (laughs) look at what happened these guys were in jail they had a jail ministry under pressure but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God when you and I are under pressure in pain rejection something negative what do we do look at what we do Which is so wrong and God help us to correct this. We focus on the pressure. We focus on the pain. We focus on the source where we think the trouble is coming from. Wrong! Because by focusing in and on those things, you don't change the situation. The only one who can change the situation is God. So what did they do? They began to sing and pray hymns to God. They had a serious break jail through prison worship. And you know the rest of the story. Ah, I need to rush. Romans 13. Romans 13. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that, that exist are appointed by God. So the bottom line here is our relationship to and response to existing authority structures will change. Yes. It will change. Because now we recognize that authorities are allowed by God. Yes. And so rather than rebel against authority, we pray for authority. Yes. We pray for authority. And when we do that, we worship. Number seven, Romans 13, verses 8 through 14, talks about our attitude towards God's moral laws. Oh, no matter anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Amen? Amen? And then last but not the least, Romans chapter 14 through Romans chapter 15. Romans 14, verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Verse 2. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. What he's talking about here is. <laughs> what he's talking about here is that when we will receive the grace of God, we we'll be able to. We have a different concern. We have a concern for the well being of our fellow believers. We have a concern for the well being of our fellow believers. So now, just in wrapping up, grace power worship tells me that God has given or done something for me. And as a result, I'm empowered to honor him, to bless him, and to praise him by these responses in Romans chapter 12 through chapter 15. It changes the way I see myself and others around me. It changes the way I uh, see authorities. It changes the way uh, I see the gifts and talents within the body. It changes my emotional and mental attitude. It changes the way I respond to pressure or negative uh, input. It changes the way we respect or respond to authorities. It changes our uh, our attitudes towards one another in walking in love and definitely changes our concern for the well-being of our believers. When we do those things, we worship. Now, notice none of this. None of these eight things has to do with music. None of it. So again, worship is a lifestyle. It's how we live every day, every hour, every second. Amen? Amen. But our worship, however, that I want to pray now, cannot be released to God except I've been touched by God. Is there anyone here today that says, I want to receive the grace of God by faith? in the Lord Jesus Christ and through the redemption that he makes available by the shedding of his blood. Is there anybody that says, you know what? I hear you guys talking about this grace, 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 this love of God. I want to be touched. I want to experience the love of God. I want to be born again. You see, because if your human spirit has not been recreated really in the image of God and, and, his, and his likeness, you really cannot give him real, true worship is there anybody here today say you know what I want to become a worshipper the beginning the foundation of becoming a worshipper is you must be born again you have to be born again you have to be born again is there anybody here today that says I want to be born again okay all right, no problem now we are all born again have you seen yourself through this message have you been all along a worshipper let me be the first one to say to you, I have not been a worshiper. No. I have worshipped at different times, but I have not lived a consistent worshipping lifestyle. Why? I lack revelation. I lack revelation. I lack revelation. God's revelation is progressive, it's unfolding. And as it unfolds, we should make the adjustment. So I'm the first one to say this morning, I need to make an adjustment. Are there anybody else that says, you know what, I need to make adjustments? Why don't we just stand on our feet? You know what? Can you do that song, Emela, again? And this is the reason. This is the reason I want to do that song again. If you listen to the words of that song, it talks about giving God's thanks. Is our God, the creator of the universe, and is our king. And that we've received and are enjoying the power of his grace. And that's what it's all about. Please, hold on one second. So please, I don't want us to go home and go back to the same old, same old. Begin to practice God's grace That powers worship. How? The way you see yourself. You are not this tiny little bitty, uh, uh, unimportant human being. No, you are not. You are a child of the Most High God. Begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Number one. Number two, begin to see the people around you in the same way. Watch this. When you begin to see those around you in the same way, you know what happens? all of a sudden, you will not be nearly as judgmental as you've been. Yes. Yes. You will not be quick to cut them down, to criticize them. Now, there's room for constructive suggestion. But even that must be done in love. You're trying to bring them up, not take them down. Yes. Immediately, we should be able to practice these things now. We should not leave this sanctuary without Hugging one or two people. And say, you know what? It is so good to see you today. And trust got to mean it. Because if we don't love one another, who is going to love us? The world don't understand what we're talking about. So we need to practice it here. Go home, love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Let them know you love them. Listen, we only have them for a little window window of time. They hit 18... You hold territory. Totally they are gone. They're gone. They are gone. This is the only time you can be someone in their life to have godly influence. Don't miss the opportunity. Hug them every day. Let them know you love them. In spite of the mistakes they make, in spite of sometimes their disobedience or even rebellion. And now begin to respond to negative things by trusting God and looking upward. Amen? Amen? So Father, as we minister in this song this afternoon, I pray that the eyes of our understanding yes. is opened, enlightened, that we have revelation, we have more understanding. We see you now and we understand what you are saying to us. You've given us much, we acknowledge it. He said, To whom much has been given, much is expected. And so, Father God, we understand that grace upon us calls for a responsibility. And so, Lord God, we thank you as we connect with you to receive your grace fresh and anew and an increasing amount of abounding that that grace that we receive will be released Thank you, Father. that we see ourselves the way you see us that we are not a failure you, we are not a sinner, you, we, are not a sinner. You, we are not children of the devil you, but we are children of the most high God we understand our identity is rooted and grounded in your love towards us you, we bless you for loving us Thank you that when we were unlovable, yet you loved us. And so, Lord God, with that understanding now we look at one another, our brothers, our sisters, our husbands, our wives, our children, and we see them with a total new valuation. Amen. They are important. Why? Because they are also made in your image and likeness. Amen. So no matter how or what they have done or do not do, we thank you. Thank you Father. We thank you for them. We appreciate them. Thank you, Father God, that we will not be confirmed. We will not be, yeah. We will not be confirmed to this world. Yes. No. 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 Rather, we are conforming to Your kingdom culture. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That will not just be hearers only, but we come do us we receive you now. We thank you Lord Jesus for your help. You are a helper, our God and that's why we look unto you. The author and the finisher of our faith. You begin a work in us, perfected, Finish it. You are the one that's at work in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So thank you for your grace that powers our worship and so when we lift up our hands we are not lifting up empty hands. We are lifting up hands to glory and honor you. Thank you, Father.